The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, in our Old Testament reading, it's almost like we get gypped because we get this tiny little paragraph of Jeremiah, and it's kind of, it's that scenario where you hear this tiny bit from the Old Testament and you go, what in the world is going on? And then it makes you less likely to want to go home and read the Old Testament. Because it's confusing, but only if you only take one paragraph and put it out there. So I want to bring you there this morning. Because Jeremiah is my guy. And I want to share his witness to Christ with you. So picture yourself. It's I don't know, 600 B.C., and olive oil lamps are lighting up the stone walls of a palace in the southern kingdom of Judah. Almost imagine the smell of extra virgin olive oil being burned for light. You're tired, and you you feel defeated. You feel sad, because it's been a few years since you've seen friends and family And all of your people, your fellow Hebrews, because they've been loaded up into carts and exiled to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar II. Nebuchadnezzar has set up a puppet king named Hezekiah to rule over Judah. And get this, you are the last faithful prophet of Yahweh. You're the last one, the very last one. No one else is preaching or even reading God's word to the people. And God keeps having you prophesy the most scary and harsh things, both to the king, to all of your colleagues, and sometimes to the people that weren't carried off. And no one wants to hear it. 
But you have to keep going into work and telling these people the words of God. Because he's commanded you to say them. You're a prophet, after all. Every morning you're, you, you wake up and you look at the ceiling and you go, Oh, I've got to go in there. I've got to go into the court. I've got to speak these harsh words, these sermons, where people recoil when they hear them. And they recoil because they know they're true. And at a certain point, when you go into work, you start wearing an ox's yoke, if you can imagine. Kind of like how I wear a shepherd's stole. He is wearing a yoke that an ox would wear around its neck to pull a plow to show the heavy burden that the one true God is having you carry on behalf of your people, but also the heavy burdens that the people are carrying, that Israel, that Judah is carrying as they're exiled from their homeland. And you're, you have in mind, and you never forget, you seem, it seems like you're the only one that hasn't forgotten, that you are all exiled for a good reason. For the people of Israel have stopped worshiping the one true God, Yahweh, and the people have traded the truth of God's word for lies from false prophets. These false prophets are promising things that God never promised such as finding fulfillment and joy in licentious living, or giving into your greed, or to your desires. And here's what makes it even more confusing. All of these false prophets are your friends. At least your colleagues that you went to training with, that you probably went to Hebrew school with ever since you were six, But you see them day after day while you go into work and say God's truth. They come in and they say false things. They're lying to the people. And so here comes Hananiah, the prophet. His name's Hananiah. And we meet him in our Old Testament reading, this small paragraph Hananiah is one of those guys you've always known. You even respect him. You think he's good at his job. But he comes before King Hezekiah and preaches before the court and the people. He says, this is what the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel says. I will remove the yoke of the king of Babylon from your necks. And within two years, I will bring back all of the temple treasures That King Nebuchadnezzar took away to Babylon. I will also bring back the true king of Judah and all the other captives that were taken to Babylon. I will surely break the yoke that the king of Babylon has put on your necks. I, the Lord Yahweh, have spoken. So that's what Hananiah says is a prophecy from Yahweh. Here's the problem. And maybe we'll begin to understand the commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness. This is why it was such a bad thing. 
Hananiah is prophesying. He's saying, by Yahweh's name, he has promised these things. But the Lord has not promised these things in his word. And so Hananiah is literally bearing false witness. He is ascribing to the name of our Lord what he has not said. In other words, he's lying from the pulpit. He's lying to the congregation. He is what we would call a prosperity gospel preacher. The people you see late at night on TV that say these amazing things will happen to you if you call and donate $1,000 with your credit card to my ministry, that is what Hananiah is doing. He's saying all these amazing things that will happen in the name of the Lord. But the Lord never promised those things. He says, oh yeah, God has promised to bring back your families, to remove the king we don't like, to restore the good one, to bring back all of the treasures. But none of that is from God. None of it can be found in God's word. But the people love it. They love it because it's what they want to hear. It's uplifting. It's happy. It's not depressing Jeremiah. It's positive, happy Hananiah. And that's a trap that we can all fall into as Christians because Jesus tells us something very tough today. He says, as long as you believe in him, as long as you follow him, as long as you tell others about him, you're probably going to be despised and rejected as we sing around Lent time, just like how Jesus was despised and rejected because of his preaching, his message, the word of God, the truth. Rejected not only by the world, but this is what's hard. Jesus says, especially your own family. For the sake of his words, for the sake of his name. And here's what stinks. It really was only this way during Jesus' time, during the early church, and then right about now. We live in a world where people are being taught all sorts of nasty things that aren't true. From talking with our confirmands, it sounds like at school they're being taught to hate their own bodies. We live in a world where sin is said to be good for you because it feels good. We live in a world where we're told that no one needs to repent and trust in the Lord as their Savior. We live in a world that says you don't need to go to the temple to hear the prophet tell you God's word, I'll tell you the truth, and it will make you feel good. Our phones beam it into our eyes. Our teachers demand it in the classroom. The TVs, they broadcast it to you over and over each day, and it's part of your daily ritual. And you find yourself talking about what you saw on TV. And so that becomes what's important to you. 
So would you let your pastor preach those things from up here? Or would you find strength in God's word and chase him out of your town? I urge you to always check the scriptures to see if what pastor is saying matches God's word. Because that's what Jeremiah did. It's what the Christian church has always done. Match up what pastor is saying to the scriptures. If what he is saying does not match or he's twisting the plain sense of it, you probably have a problem on your hands. And so if we return to the Old Testament today, what does Jeremiah do when he sees the other prophet, Hananiah, preaching falsity? Well, what's kind of cool is he's a gentleman. He essentially like slow claps after Hananiah gives his false promises from God. And he says, you know what, Hananiah, I really wish that everything you just prophesied was true. And this is the chunk that we get in our Old Testament reading today. I really wish all those things were true. It all sounds great. I want the exile to end. I want the treasures to return. I want to see my friends and family again. I want a good king. But here's the thing. God hasn't promised those things to us right now. We have done evil in the sight of the Lord. And so it is in his sovereignty a time for repentance right now. And then Jeremiah does something beautiful. He prophesies the coming of Jesus Christ. He says, keep watch, everybody. If a prophet prophesies peace, he must show that he's right. Essentially, those things must come to pass. You can't just prophesy something good's going to happen and then it never comes. He says, only when that peace comes and comes true can it be known that this prophet was from the Lord. So think, when Jesus says, I'm going to die, and everyone freaks out and they say, no, it would never happen to you, Lord. Jesus just has to keep preaching, I'm going to die. And then I'm going to rise again. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to take on your sin and die, rest, and rise again. And so when he dies and rises again, he is the perfect fulfillment of this prophet of peace. Because as we sing at Christmas, glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth, as we do each Sunday. God has sent his son Jesus to take on your sin, die, and make peace between you and God. And then to turn around and through that peace between God and man to make peace amongst the peoples of earth. It's wonderful. But you see, when Jeremiah speaks the truth of God in front of Hananiah, the false prophet, he makes Hananiah look like a fool. He pulls the carpet out from under his feet. And so Hananiah freaks out 
and he breaks the yoke off of Jeremiah. Almost a visual, a visual representation of what his words are doing. So Hananiah is trying with his words to overthrow God's will, to overthrow what God has promised. And now he is literally breaking off the yoke from Jeremiah. He's trying to, by his own human strength, end the exile. But the Lord, Yahweh, gets the last word. He prophesies in front of all the people, Hananiah, I have not sent you. You have made my beloved people to believe a lie. Hananiah's skin probably crawled. A shiver went down his spine. I pray he repented. Because that's the ultimate way that you can fail as a prophet, a pastor, a Christian witness. Is to have other people that believe you believe lies that you're spreading about God instead of the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. When pastors lie, their people's lives go to ruin. The people, by the allowance of their pastor and not God, begin to live in rebellion against God's will When pastors lie, their people's immortal souls and their children's immortal souls are put at risk. And that's why Jesus puts a high standard of judgment on pastors, teachers, parents, whether they believe what God says or not. It's why he keeps talking about a millstone that will be tied around the neck of those that lead the little ones astray. But thanks be to God, Jesus is the ultimate, greatest prophet, priest, king, pastor, shepherd. Everything he says comes to pass because he is the truth. Everything that Jesus says happens. And that's what makes faith in his word, as opposed to the words of men, unshakable, immovable. Powerful, Because our world and the false prophets that inhabit it and the lies that they pound into our ears all hours of the day, those lies constantly change. One day, you need to do this. The next day, you should never have done that. And so that ever-changing chaos is cut right through with the solid, never-changing Sword of God's word. It's what the apostles say is the the sword which Jesus speaks of in our gospel today. I have come to bring not peace but a sword. His word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and cuts to the very joint and marrow. Why is it so sharp? Why doesn't it break? Because Jesus says that whoever does not take up his cross and follow him is not worthy of him. And he never changes that message. 
And so what never changes slices right through what constantly changes, like butter. So Jesus says, whoever does not take up his cross and follow him is not worthy of him, even if Jesus scares away, even if following Jesus scares away your kids, your grandkids, your friends, your parents, and really and truly, really and truly. Whenever I preach this text, I want to remind you that Jesus, of course, would rather have it that your living witness brings your friends, brings your family to faith in Jesus Christ. Of course. He desires all to be saved and to love him. But Jesus does tell us that more often than not, following him is going to earn you the ire of your family. A non-believing spouse or parent or child will demand allegiance and conformity to the world in ways that the Christian simply cannot agree to live. And at that point, the Christian, with tears in his or her eyes, must love Jesus more than father or mother or son or daughter or brother or sister. They must. In the Roman Empire, to be a Christian and to refuse to worship Caesar and the pagan gods with your friends and your family and the people on your street, it was considered a capital crime. Many Christians literally would follow Jesus by bearing a cross and being crucified because they refused to do this. Or they would die by being burned alive or by being eaten by animals in the Colosseum or by gladiators. Well, Jesus lets us know today that with him, there's no middle ground in following him. Because on the other side of his cross, on the other side of mockery and death is resurrection. It's quite the heavy yoke. It's quite the heavy burden. But following Jesus is the only way to glory, to resurrection. Jesus is the prophet that Jeremiah spoke of. He is the one who prophesies peace and then makes good on it. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who looks on the Son of Man, who eats his flesh and drinks his blood, will have eternal life. And he will raise them up on the last day. These are his promises. And because he has risen from the dead, as he said he would, you can believe those promises. And you can believe that they're for you. Because he loves you. They will come to pass. They are for you. So believe on him, receive his gifts, and give him your heavy yoke. Because he will carry it for you. In Jesus' name, amen.